so excited about uh, starting a brand new series today. This is part one in a four-part series entitled Simply Jesus. Simply Jesus. How many know it doesn't get any better than Jesus? Amen. Amen. And we're grateful for the opportunity to share the, uh, four parts. I, I believe uh, some things that will just absolutely be a great blessing to you. If you were to ask me to give you one word that would describe the people I've come in contact with in the last 18 months, that word would be, that one word would be complicated. <laughs> complicated, right? I, I, we've never been in a season where, where it's been more complicated. Um, and every day when life becomes full of family drama, anxiety, fear, anger, uncertainty, Life can quickly untangle, get, get into a tangled mess, right? Quickly get into a tangled mess and become extremely complicated. So as I was thinking about this word complicated, I looked it up and it's interesting what the dictionary has to say about this word complicated. Consisting of many interconnecting, often confusing, that sound familiar today? Often confusing parts or elements, complex and convoluted. Now, you know as well as I do, anytime life gets crazy, life gets convoluted, life gets complex, life becomes complicated, what is it that we should do? We should do what? Now, pray is always good, but not, you know, simplify, right? When life gets complicated, we need to simplify. When life gets complicated, we need to get back to basics. When life gets complicated, we need to get back to Jesus, Simply Jesus. When you take all the layers of all the craziness and all the drama and all the issues that are going on around our world today that are affecting us in many ways, multiple ways, some people have not yet still uh, recovered from all that's going on, all the more we need to get back to that name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. And so my wife and I are going to be ministering in this series, and she'll be ministering next week. And we desire to give you four, we believe, four very important truths about Jesus that really help us to uncomplicate life, get back to what really matters. And so today, I want to start talking about Jesus as our good shepherd, as our good shepherd. Man, when you understand the nature of Jesus as a good shepherd, you begin to realize how committed he is to you, how committed he is to your family, how committed he is to everything that matters to you matters to him. There are plenty of places where we could get started, very inspirational um, verses that would be of great benefit for each one of us to talk about our good shepherd. But the one place I want to go is to a favorite place of mine, and that's the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm is an amazing song, and we are so grateful because it's really one of the most beloved of all psalms um, uh, by all ages, young and old, and making it really one of the most recognized sections of the Bible throughout the world. And you might think, well, why is it so beloved? Why is it that it ministers to so many people? And I believe the, 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 the reason is pretty simple. In these six verses, we discover how we're never alone, never without help, and never without hope. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? If you're in need of help today, and man, a, a, a group of people this size and the amount of people that are watching us online and in their first service, man, there's every one of us are in some season where we need help, right? 
We're just crying out for help. Man, we're overwhelmed. Life is complicated. Things get crazy, and we need help. Well, the good news is God wants to help us, right? When you're in a situation where you feel alone, how many have ever felt like you're in the middle of battle all by yourself, you know, trying to just keep your head above water and wondering, can I make this alone? It feels very challenging to be alone, to feel alone, to truly be alone. Well, the good news is that our good shepherd wants to help us when we're alone. And when you're in that place without hope, oh my goodness, we've all been there feeling like, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I have enough expectation or enough faith to believe or enough of God's presence to really help me when we feel hopeless. And so I'm just grateful that our good shepherd and this 23rd Psalm really does help us understand the importance of Jesus being our good shepherd. This, there's a deep significance in meaning that flows out of David's heart when he reflects on the goodness of God. It's obviously as we read this 23rd Psalm in a moment, you're going to realize and see, even as you read throughout the Psalms, how, how much David has been blessed by the goodness of God, how he brags on the goodness of God, how he's grateful for how God has come through in his life over and over again. And really, Psalm 23 is, a, is just a big testimony of, of the goodness of God and the good news that, that God doesn't show favoritism, that if God will be a good shepherd to David, he'll be a good shepherd to you. And as we go through some of the things that David has gone through to, to prove out the goodness of God, to prove out that God, that Jesus is this good shepherd, and as we read the Psalms, I want you to remember that the Psalm 23 is a song that David wrote. In fact, the book of Psalms is just one big song book, mostly written by David, but these are songs that David wrote. Now think about this and picture with me, um, David under the open skies um, in the, on the hills of Bethlehem, watching his father's sheep, playing his lyre, uh, which is like a harp, worshiping God to the songs that he composed in this time of worship, in this time of honoring God, in this time he begins to receive and understand and gets a revelation of Jesus being our good shepherd. Let's read this Psalm 23, uh, starting at verse one. In fact, why don't we read it together? I think it'll be good for us to read it together. So let's start at verse one, ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Six powerful verses that have 12 blessings attached to this psalm. And I want you to understand the, the power of this. I can obviously, so don't panic. I'm not going over all 12 today. Um, but I'm going to emphasize three that really stuck out to me that I believe really hit home for all of us. The whole psalm does. But I want to talk about three today, emphasize three today that I believe will be 
a great blessing to you. See, David knew exactly what he was talking about, penning this 23rd Psalm. He, he was an experienced shepherd who cared deeply about his father's flock. He was tremendously committed, conscientious, and made sure that he took care of these sheep well. And he knew that the Lord was not only concerned about him, about the sheep. He was, as a shepherd, concerned about his sheep. But he understood that Jesus was concerned about him. And it became a revelation to him. It became alive to him. And everywhere he looked and every song he began to write and the times that he spent with God um, in, in that open sky, under that open sky in Bethlehem, that he began to see and understand. And so he said, even as a youth, 1 Samuel 17, he began to learn. He said, I've, I've been, I have been taking care of my father's sheep. No, that's not, is that the one I want? Yes, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And he said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Speaking of his commitment, he shows that he was committed to making sure that he took care of those sheep. And he, he made sure that he uh, did his part in taking care of his father's sheep. And then Jesus gives us a, a correlation in Gospel of John, and we help us understand how he says and describes himself. He says, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. David wasn't a hired hand. Jesus is not a hired hand. Amen. And because David didn't do it for any other reason but his total commitment in taking care of the sheep, so Jesus in his total commitment for us. Amen. That's a wonderful picture of his commitment that as a good shepherd, he is not a hired hand. Meaning when times get tough, guess what? He's still there. When everybody else is running out the building, Jesus is running into the building. Amen. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. And that's the good news about the good shepherd, the good news about a revelation of the goodness of God and, the, and, the, and him being this good shepherd. He takes care of us. He watches over us. He is completely and totally committed to your care. Isn't that good news today? No matter what, right? Because people can abandon us and people can go crazy and people that you thought were with you and when times get tough, we wonder where they are. But we are grateful today for our good shepherd. The more you come to know the Lord as your shepherd, the more you see and are persuaded of his complete commitment to your well-being. Amen. And that's such good news today. So let's talk about these three parts of this psalm that we want to emphasize today. Number one, we want to emphasize Psalm 23, verse 1, provision. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We could actually say it this way, because you are my shepherd, I shall not want. See, when you get a revelation and really understand what a shepherd does and how committed a shepherd is, then you recognize and you can see why David said here, I shall not want. Amen. It carries the idea of not lacking anything, that God is clearly and consistently desirous 
to make sure that, that you understand him as your provider. Every one of us have needs. Every one of us are in a situation where we wonder, can we get out of the hole of debt that we might be in? Or will that money be there for the mortgage? And will situations come um, for, for college and university and career changes and, and so forth? And very practically, we understand that there are so many practical things that we go through. And when you understand that you have a good shepherd, you have a, a, um, an awareness and you develop a consciousness that no matter what it is that you owe, no matter what it is that you need, no matter what it is that you're going through or your children need or whatever the case may be, we have this provider that will take care of us. And may our declaration be that I shall not want, right? That I have no wants. That may that be my declaration as I understand and understand the goodness of God and his word and understand the privilege of worshiping Jesus and recognizing his word, that that'll come alive in my heart too. See, David recognizes this, and, and he, he says this in Psalm 37. He said, I've been young, and now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. See, he began to have a revelation. He began to realize, man, I, 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 I get this. I believe this. I believe that he will always take care of me and my descendants. It's not just about me. And that's the, the beauty of God's provision Israel is concluding their journey through the wilderness, 40 years in the wandering in the wilderness. And here they come to the end, and here is their testimony of this season that they've gone through. The Lord your God has blessed you in everything you have done. He has watched your every step through this great wilderness. During these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have lacked nothing. Come on, somebody. If God will do that for the children of Israel in the wilderness, what's he going to do for you and me? What's he going to do for your house? What's he going to do for your, through your wilderness experience, through your difficult season, through your seasons where you wonder and you doubt? Even good Christians, even good people that love God have seasons of doubt, right? We doubt and we wonder, did I make the right choice? Am I, am I, am I using my faith right? Am I, am, I, am I in that place where I really am trusting God? And, and so the, the good news is that this shows God's provision over and over and over again. And we're so grateful for that. One of the first verses that came alive to my wife and I, when we were believing God and starting to believe for our own provision, as this church started and had very little uh, material things to work with, and, and, and we were trusting God. We were believing God. We were in that place wanting to understand and learn about our good shepherd and learn about our provision. And Philippians came alive to us. It's a great verse of scripture. It's a great promise for you to stand on. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, there might be shortage in many places around today, but there's no shortage with God. There's no shortage with his riches. Aren't you glad your provision is based on his riches, not yours? And that's good news today. And that's what you need to really believe God in the midst of the crazy seasons is recognizing I'm trusting in his riches today. And he promises that my God, and you know, that's your God. You're personal. 
That's your God. You're saying, hey, this is my God. This is the one that I trust. This is the one that I believe in. This is the one that I know that he cares deeply about me. And Vern and I got a hold of that verse and we sunk our teeth into that verse and we believed in that verse and we began to tithe and we began to give offerings and we began to trust God knowing that he had a financial plan for our lives. And we began little by little this process of falling in love with God's word and recognizing that our good shepherd wants to take such good care of us. And we went from not enough to just enough, amen, thank God, to more than enough, amen. So you might be in that place today where you're just saying, man, pastor, it's not enough. I, 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 there's no way I have enough. It's just not enough. And it's overwhelming and it produces fear, doesn't it? Oftentimes even anger, like it's not fair. You feel like you're a victim when there's not enough. And then you graduate as you begin to trust God to just enough. Oh, you're grateful that you're not where you were, but you're, you're, you're on your way somewhere, aren't you? You're not, not going to stay there either in just enough because just enough is just enough for you. It's not a, you can't bless anybody. So now it's time to believe God. Once you get to just enough, thank God for that. Just, now it's time to believe God for more than enough. More than enough for you and your needs and then left over so you can be a blessing to your world and be a blessing to, to God's people. Amen. What a comfort to know that God's love and he loves us, he cares about us, and he provides for us. And I pray that's an encouragement for you that are standing and believing or just starting this journey he is a good shepherd that'll provide for you. The second thing we want to emphasize today is restoration. Psalm 23, verse 3 says, He restores my soul. David understood this. David understood the power of restoration. The word restore means to bring something back to its former condition, right? To its former condition as a, you know, people uh, restore, uh, you know, vintage cars or muscle cars, whatever, and they restore them back to their original condition. You know, if you're believing God for healing, as, as my wife, through many times we were believing God and she had, you know, near-death experiences and situations in her own health. And one of those verses that came alive to her, it's really a restorative verse in Jeremiah 30, verse 17, for I will restore health to you and heal your wounds, says the Lord. I mean, when you're healthy, it's good to hear that. But when you're not healthy, right, and you're in need of healing and need of restoration in your body somewhere, somehow, it's good to know that God can bring you back and bring you to back to that original, even better condition than you were before. See, David, for David to be able to say, he restores my health, amen, that he restores my soul, David had gone through some situations. Those of you that know about David's life know that David many times was in need of, of his soul being restored. And following the, the terrible failure of Bathsheba, including not just adultery, but a cover-up conspiracy and a murder for hire, David's soul was in great need of restoration. David was a broken man. David was a man overwhelmed by his self-inflicted sin. He was overwhelmed by the fact that he did this to himself. You know, it's one thing when somebody does something to you, but when you do it to yourself, right? How many know that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow when you realize nobody has to blame for this? 
Nobody didn't take advantage of me. This is what I did myself. And David, who was a, a mighty king and someone who understood all that we're talking about, here he was in this situation. He needed to be restored. He, he was wounded by his own sin. He was wounded by public embarrassment, deep personal shame, and a guilt-ridden conscience, and he needed restoration. Then his son Absalom um, decided to oh, want to try to overflow, overthrow his own father's kingdom. How terrible is that, that your own son comes to, to, to try to undermine your own authority? Uh, it, it was a, an armed civil war that David nearly lost this battle. It was publicly humiliating to fight against your own son and deeply wounded relationally, and it ended up where David struggled to cope with a crushing load of grief and guilt, and well, there was victory in his kingdom. It was not a victory that he wanted to celebrate, but how could he celebrate? It was, it was fighting against his own son. How many of stories have I heard over the years of fathers and sons battling back and forth and siblings against siblings and family battles? Oh my goodness, I've heard some of the most worst case scenarios of years and years and years of no communication. Years and years of, of, of not seeing each other because of the battles that go back and forth between a, a son and maybe his mistakes and a father who's strong correction or, or a dad who, who uh, you know, messes up big time on his marriage and, and what happens there. I mean, the, 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 the challenge of that pain a family battling and family struggles and a fractured family and, and Christmases and, and holidays and weddings and other things, you know, are very painful if ever, you know, they, we get involved with them. And so here David finds himself there. He knows firsthand what you're feeling in your family. He knows firsthand what's going on in your life and the, the battles that are going on and the need for restoration, the need for someone to, to take that step and humble themselves or, or, or have others come alongside to mediate or, or help him. David knew all about a soul in need of restoration. So it was a testimony to say, he restores my soul. He's testifying here. He's testifying of the goodness of God. He's testifying, even though I've blown it, even though it was self-inflicted, even though it was a public embarrassment, even though it was overwhelming and, and the king and, 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 and how, you know, about his kingdom. And, and in that place, he cries out to God, obviously. And, and he, we know it was a constant process for him, but his soul was restored. See, when a soul is damaged by life, including and especially self-inflicted wounds, the process of restoration can be long and slow and, 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 and even more painful than the actual wound. In fact, the wound, no matter how terrible, is an event. But healing is a process. It's important to get that process started. And I pray that as this year begins to end and you believe God for something new in the new year, that you'll begin to believe for a healing process to take place in your life. That you'll begin to believe that God can bring healing in your family. God can bring healing in those relationships. God can mend um, those very intimate relationships that should be involved in your life. And that could be your testimony as well. So when David declares, he restores my soul, he knew firsthand that the only hope he had in the kind of soul restoration that he was in need of could only come through his good shepherd, and he was testifying that God restored his soul. 
Amen. And the good news is, if God can restore David's soul over and over and over again, if God can restore my soul over and over again, guess what? He can will, he can and will restore your soul over and over and over again. Maybe it's the 10th time or the 20th time you needed soul restoration. Doesn't matter. There's no number. There's no expiration date on the fact that God wants to restore your soul. And I pray that you get a vision today as we simply bring us back to Jesus and simply strip away all the junk and all the the craziness of life. And you'll realize that he is a provider for you. And you realize that he is a God that desires to restore you And we just pray for family restoration. That's what we believe here for IFC. We're a restoring church. We're not a church that kicks people to the curb. Amen. That's why there's no perfect people allowed here at IFC. Amen. Because all of us are in need of some kind of soul restoration. All of us are broken in some way. All of us are hurting in some way. All of us have messed up in some way. All of us have been in that place where we've said, oh God, I can't believe I did it again. You think we'd learn the first 10 times and, and the bump on that head. Well, that's going to hurt so bad. I'll, re- I'll always remember that. We forget, don't we? Yeah. And we put ourselves in silly and, and crazy compromising situations. Life bruises and afflicts, but Jesus heals and restores. Life can be pretty mean. Life can be pretty nasty. Being rejected and being hurt and, and, and being forgotten and being abused and, oh, the words can go on and on. Life can be very challenging and very difficult, but it's good to know that we have a good shepherd that in the midst of life and its terrible opportunities that it provides, there's a breath of fresh air. There's a, a, a light that comes. There's a, a message that's given that Jesus cares about you. He's your good shepherd. And I pray you get a fresh revelation that he's a good shepherd that provides, a good shepherd that restores. And last but not least, number three, he's a good shepherd that brings security. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. My goodness. For you are with me. The 23rd Psalm is love for so many reasons, but... Perhaps this fourth verse that causes it to be such a source of wonderful comfort during the most traumatic, difficult times of life, in spite of the harshness of our challenges that are thrown at us, we can hear these comforting words that come from a revelation, again, a testimony of what David has been through. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. How many know that evil has taken on a whole nother dimension? in the day that we're living in today. I think we all can understand that any one of us that have been around life a little bit longer than others, we can see that evil has never been darker. Evil has never been more sinister. Evil has never had more faces. Evil has never been in a place where where we have kind of overwhelmed and shocked by it all that so much evil is around us. But it's good to know that in the midst of all the evil, you've got a good shepherd. That's caring for you and watching out for you. And as freaked out as we can be about all this evil, we can keep our eyes on the evil or we can get our eyes back on the good shepherd, right? We can get our eyes back on simply Jesus. We can get our eyes back on the goodness of God in the midst of all the craziness. Amen. It's important to note the words that, that David, I believe it's important that he, he describes it this way. He says, even though I, I, I do what? What's that word right there? Walk what? Walk through. 
Notice David wasn't buying real estate here. Notice David wasn't setting up camp here. Notice David wasn't settling down here. David had enough sense to know that when evil hit, hits us and, and life's challenges are, challenges are overwhelming to us and we are personally offended or hurt, we are personally in a place of deep pain or discouragement or discomfort or disappointment, even David is saying, and he's encouraging us through his words, hey, don't get stuck there. And so many good people, and I know there's plenty of you here today, you're stuck. You're stuck in the past. You're stuck in an old place. You're, you're stuck in a place that, that is very painful, and you, you stopped living, and you settled down, and you bought something that you didn't realize what you were buying when you stopped walking through those situations, and you, you got stuck there, and you've been there longer than you've wanted to be, and you're stuck in being offended or being hurt or in unforgiveness or in a place where, yes, it was probably not not a good thing that happened to you, and it wasn't fair what happened to you, but the fact remains is we have to pick ourselves up and realize our good shepherd wants to get us through. He wants to get you through today. I mean, that's a victory for some people, right? Just get through the what? The day, right? New mothers get through the morning. My goodness, you just, I mean, it's, it's a victory to get through to noon, Right? It's a victory that, that in day three, you got to take a shower. Right? You're so consumed and, and, and so on and on. It goes on in, in, in life in general. But the, the victory is that our good shepherd wants to get us through. I love that. He wants to get us through. He doesn't want you hanging out where you don't belong. He wants to get you through those offenses. And he wants to bring us a level of security in your life because it's a, it's a journey walking through. And the life of faith is this journey, right? And it's always something that we're moving forward in. And when you hear him say that, I will fear no evil for God is with me, you that are involved in fear might feel condemned that you are in a place of fear. You might feel like I don't have the faith or I'm not at that point yet where I can truly overcome and be able to declare that and say that, and so you're in a, oftentimes a faith crisis, and you feel condemned that your faith isn't where you'd like it to be or where somebody else's faith is. And here's what I learned through this whole process. If you feel like your faith is weak, here's what, here's what you have to learn. Don't focus on yourself or even your faith. Rather, set your attention on God and His Word. And the more you focus on yourself, the more you'll struggle. And the more you focus on God and his word, the stronger your faith will grow. Right? That's a powerful statement. And I, you, know, you might need to take a picture of that or something because that, that's just super good. That really is very helpful. How many times when you focus on how bad you feel, how the worse you get? Right? The more you feel you know, pity on yourself. And the more you're going through that self-pity, you know, that party that nobody else shows up but you, right? You blow the balloons and you have the party blowers and you're the only one there in that pity party. Nobody wants to be there with you, right? But you're in that place where, where you recognize that when you focus on yourself or you focus on maybe your your lack of faith, or the enemy is trying to lie to you and tell you you don't have the goods, you can't cut this thing, you know, you're not cut out to be a good Christian, you're not cut out for victory, you're not cut out for the provision and, and for restoration and so forth. And the more you focus on that, the more you struggle. 
And the enemy loves it when you focus on yourself. The enemy loves it when you focus only on, on your problems and, and how negative things are. And the more you focus on yourself, the worse the struggle becomes. He doesn't want you to learn that even in the midst of your struggle, even in the midst of your faith journey, even in the midst of your difficulties, that you focus on God and his word. And the more you focus on God and his word, the more your faith begins to grow and the more you realize how good God is because David had a revelation of a good shepherd and he realized that being this, having this revelation of a good shepherd caused him to understand that he could walk in the goodness of God. And we're so grateful today for that. When you understand that Jesus laid his life down for us, this good shepherd, we can begin to understand the great love God has for us. Amen. See, David risked his life for his sheep by fending off the lion and the bear. But Jesus literally gave his life for us, dying on the cross to redeem us from sin, sickness, and disease. And when we understand this, when we, when we, describe, when we describe Jesus as our shepherd, it's not a mere philosophical thought or a theological concept. It's an absolute reality. Listen to this. It's a solid, tangible relationship that in Christ purchased us by his own very blood. That's good news today. And I pray that when you understand how he laid down his life for you, that that, that becomes reality. That becomes a revelation. That becomes something that you realize, man, that's a lot of love that God sent his one and only son to die and suffer and shed his blood to redeem us and to, and to help us to walk in the goodness of God. See, when David first sang, the Lord is my shepherd, he was giving expression to his personal faith. He was giving expression to what he had learned in those open sky in that hills, the hills of Bethlehem. And he was giving a personal expression. It was something, when he wrote the 23rd Psalm, it wasn't like, you know, this was mental ascent. It wasn't like these, these fancy words. It was personal. He owns this. And I want to encourage you that when you read over, and I want to encourage you to do so this week, when you read over the 23rd Psalm, that it won't be just some mental ascent. It won't be just nice words. I pray that you own this. Own the words. Own the fact that he's a good shepherd. Own it and understand his goodness and his faithfulness. And own the fact that there, in this 23rd Psalm, there are 12 blessings. Let me list them before I close. Provision, rest, peace, restoration, guidance, security, comfort, sustenance, sustenance anointing, abundance, confidence, union. When you read these six verses, when you have a revelation of the good shepherd that David had, man, you understand, look what is provided. Look what belongs to us. Look at the blessings and how that affects every area of our life and how, you know, I can only go through three and hopefully establish a little hunger in you to go back and read the 23rd Psalm and study the 23rd Psalm and, and, and understand this. Because in other words, when you're fully persuaded by this truth and it's just as real to you as it was to David, on, that, on those Bethlehem hills, I believe that you'll begin to step up into a new place of fresh understanding of God's love and God's purpose for your life. 
I'm telling you, our best days are right ahead of us. Not only are they right ahead of us, I believe they're here now. I believe God wants to minister to you now. I believe God wants to restore today. I believe God wants to provide for you today. I believe God wants to bring a level of security to help you get out of the, the stuck place that you might find yourself in and produce a level of security to say, let's move on here. Okay, let's put the past behind us. Amen. In a few weeks, we're going to end the year. Wouldn't it be great for you to finally put the past behind you? Wouldn't it be great to start 2022 in a place of strength and peace and a place of revelation of a good shepherd that you finally, once and for all, leave it in the, in the old year and don't take it with you? I promise you, if you'll purpose in your heart in these next few weeks to say, God, I thank you for, for my trust in you and I want to believe, I want to I I put my, 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 my hands, put my life, put my destiny in your hands because I believe that we can start a year, a brand new year, very different if you can really grasp a hold of the fact that he is your good shepherd. He really does love you. And I pray next week when my wife ministers on a very specific uh, word that I believe will be of great blessing to you, I, I tell you, don't miss because I, I really believe the Spirit of God desires to just bring us to a wonderful place of closure this year. To close this year off and to, and to start this new transition free, wouldn't it be great to start not just like we always have been, but in a place of liberty and freedom and peace and provision and all the beautiful blessings of God that he wants to bring into our lives. So I pray today's message blessed you. I pray that it helps you. I pray that it gives you a focus. I pray that it strips away all the complications and simplifies your life so that it's all about Jesus. It has always been about Jesus. It is all about Jesus and will always be about Jesus. Come on, let's stand to our feet and let's thank God for our good shepherd today. Come on, lift up those hands and thank him today. Come on, bless him for a moment. Say, Father, thank you for being so good. Thank you for loving me. Jesus, thank you for being my good shepherd. I want a fresh revelation of, of the good shepherd that you are. Help me understand how blessed I am. Thank you, Father. I trust you and I put my faith in you today. Come on, lift up your voice for just a moment. Thank him today. Oh, what a good, good father he is. What a good shepherd he is today. What a good, good God he is. And we bless you today. Hallelujah. So generous, so faithful you are. He's such an awesome God. Oh, yes, he is. So, so awesome. Come on, lift those hands towards heaven so today.
again. Sing it again. Come on, lift up those hands and let's worship him today. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless your name. So faithful you are. Come on. we bless you father we love you we love you with all of our hearts today father i bless each person here today in the building watching us online i thank you father god that we have a fresh revelation of a of what a good shepherd does that we have this good shepherd we're grateful for you jesus we're grateful that you suffered and died you shed your blood you rose again you're alive and well so that we could live a, a life of peace and a life of joy, and a life of fulfillment, a life that matters, a life, Lord God, that we are blessed and become a blessing to others. Lord, I thank you for giving us a fresh revelation of you, our good shepherd, as a provider, as a restorer, as one who brings security into our lives. So, Father, I thank you that no matter where we are, if we need all three this morning or one or the other, I thank you, Father God, that we'll put our trust in you today. And I thank you that every one of us are encouraged in our hearts. Every one of us realize that no matter what the need, you'll meet it as we put our trust in you. No matter how many times we've messed up or what condition our soul might be in, we may maybe dragged ourselves in and just came in bleeding and and openly overwhelmed by life and circumstances and people and the complications of craziness. We thank you, Lord, that you are a restoring God. Restore our soul today. Restore our lives today. Restore us strong today. The enemy has done his best to beat us up throughout the week. He's done our best to beat us up in our thought life and to beat us up in circumstances and situations. And we're here today to let it all go and say, restore me, God. Restore my soul today. Let that be your prayer. Restore my soul today. Let there be a process of healing that takes place from this day forward. You begin to restore us and heal us and, 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 and cause us, Father God, to be whole, afresh and new. Father, we thank you that even though we're in those valleys, those crazy times where evil is all around us, we thank you that we feel secure in you, that you lead us and guide us. Lord, if anyone is stuck today, stuck in that valley, stuck in affliction, stuck in that, that, that difficulty, stuck in unforgiveness, or stuck in a place where they are overwhelmed by life and have not recovered from events, we pray, Father God, that, that you raise them up today. Raise them up today. Raise them up today. No more stuck. We're going to let go of the past. We're going to forgive. We're going to walk in forgiveness. We're going to let it go in Jesus' name. And we're going to stand our ground. And we're going to say, no more am I going to stay stuck. No more am I going to be the victim. No more am I going to allow this to happen. That I become the victor because I have a good shepherd that guides me and leads me in the way that I should go. We thank you, Father God. We believe that over these next few weeks, you'll encourage us and strengthen us and set us up to end this year strong strong in you, strong in the power of your might, strong in your ability, Father God, so that we can start 2021 in this transition year. All of us, Lord, focused and excited about God and your plan and your purpose 
and what you want to do by the Spirit in this place. I'm so excited, Father God, that you're putting all the loose ends together and we're getting back to Jesus so that we can experience all that heaven has for International Family Church. We give you praise today, Father. You're an awesome God, a faithful God, a wonderful God. Oh, such a God that cares about us today. Thank you, Father. Yes, please, go ahead. Mics, please. Lord Sam beginning restoration today with awe that we've taken for granted the peace of God maybe you've taken for granted the provision of God and today he's going to restore awe that we would look in awe yeah. that he has separated us Thank you, Father. as his blessed ones that we are a people that has called by his name yes that we would be in awe that we are in this world, but we are literally not of it. That's right. That we would stand in awe that God could take the things that have been so difficult and so hard and turn them around yeah. and bring restoration in every turn way. Turn around. But the restoration that begins today is that we would again be in awe of the marvelous God that we serve, that we would be in awe in this season, that we would be in awe. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, we stand in awe of you, Lord. We stand in awe. We stand in all of you, Lord. We stand in awe. Oh, we stand in awe. Oh, my, my, my. Yes. Broaden. Broaden it, Father God. Broaden what we see. Open our eyes. Flood them with light, Father. Where we've once walked in darkness, flood our eyes with light that we can know and comprehend the hope to which you have called us and what is the great yes. inheritance you have Thank given you, us as your people. Thank you, Father. We stand in awe of you. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. We stand in awe of you. Restore our awe. <laughs> oh, Lord, we don't want you to be familiar. We don't want just familiarity relationship. Lord, restore the awesomeness of your love for us in our hearts. That we stand amazed at your goodness. We stand amazed at your glory. We stand amazed at your love and how committed you are to help us be free in every area of our lives. With every head bowed, every believer praying with me right now, perhaps you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you're here and you don't understand how heaven can be your home or how you can start fresh and new in God. Jesus said it himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Today there's a way for life, eternal life, forgiveness, a new beginning. I want to make sure that Jesus lives in your heart. If you can't think of a time or a moment in your life where you truly said yes to Jesus and transformation on the inside began this process of, of God setting you free in every area of your life, well, today can be that day where you say yes to Jesus. Here in the room, you that are joining us online today, make sure that you open up your heart to Jesus. I'm going to ask you in a moment, for those of you that don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, not to embarrass you, 
not to ask you to come forward, but for you to make an adult decision to say, that's me. I'm intentionally making an adult decision to say, yes, I will open up my heart to Jesus and I will ask my, my Jesus to forgive me from my sin and I will accept him as my Lord and Savior. I want this new beginning. I want heaven as my home. If that's you, I want to pray for you. If that's you, will you raise your hand nice and high so I can know who you are today? Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you back there. God bless you. Thank you. I see it over there. Thank you, ma'am. I see you right up front. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Sir, I see it. Thank you. Yep, sir, I see it. Ma'am, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful. Thank you. God bless you. Wow. Over here. Thank you, Archers. Back in the corner. I see it. Good for you. How wonderful today. Oh, my goodness. All those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Who else today? Pastor, that's me. I, I, I need Jesus today. I'm not leaving here. Unless I, I, I want to be right with God. I want to understand firsthand. I see it. God bless you. The goodness of God. God bless you, sweetheart. Amen. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Father. Maybe you're here and you are a believer, but man, life, your walk with God has become so cold. You've drifted away from Him. And it's not the priority that it once has had. And you're here today. You know, the good news is God has never, He's not moved. We might move, but He doesn't. His arms are still open wide to you today. I would encourage you to make a fresh commitment. Say, it's me. I'm rededicating my life back to you, Father. I'm going to start fresh. I'm going to get back to basics. Amen. Back to that original condition. Back to that place in Christ that I once was. Back to that fire. Back to that place of peace and that place of provision and trust in God. I pray that you'll make that choice today in your life today. Let's all repeat this prayer together, all of us joining us online, please. Communicate with those that are hosting online there, chatting with you. You can also um, receive this prayer as we pray together. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. I've tried to do this by myself. Life is too hard. I can't do this by myself. Jesus, forgive me from my sin. I denounce my past. I want to follow you. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. And I receive by faith forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for dying for me. But you didn't stay dead. You're alive and well. Come live in my heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we give God praise this morning for all those? God bless you. Have a great day.